Hi, welcome to Culturally Determined. I'm your host, R.A. Cohen-Wade, and my guest today is Sophie Zucker. Sophie, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, I'm Sophie Zucker, and I am a comedian. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, okay, you have a new show, and it's a one-woman <laughs> show. And, well, what is it called, and how would you describe the show? It's called Sophie Sucks Space, and what I tell people is that it's a show about a girl who hooks up with her cousin um, because I was always taught that log lines are supposed to be short, so. <laughs> okay, so I wasn't sure if that was a twist that, uh, that was the, we couldn't I mean, reveal. It's, it's a fun twist, but it's also a fun hook. So I've just started saying it, you know? Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> so I saw the show last week at Soho Playhouse. Is that the name of the theater? Um, mm -hmm. Yep. Enjoyed it a lot. It's it's very funny. You sing, you dance, you portray multiple characters. This audience interaction. Can you talk a little bit about your background in general and like, have you always wanted to be a comedian and that sort of stuff? Yeah. So I, unsurprisingly, have a background in musical theater um, because that's what I did a lot, just like growing up. Because I think when you want to do theater and you're a kid, that's like what's available to you. Mm -hmm. um, but I always loved to write and I always loved to make stuff. And then I got to college and I sort of like started doing improv, like on whim, tried out for an improv group, got in. And then I was like, oh, I think I wanted to do comedy this whole time. Cause I was always like, you know, counting laughs, I guess, when I was on stage in anyone else's production, <laughs> even if it was really serious, even if I was like, you know, Sally Bowles and Cabaret. Like, but did they laugh at the part they were supposed to laugh at? <laughs> um, so <laughs> then I did a lot of comedy in college, took some time off, went to Chicago, did some comedy there, went back to college, graduated on time. Thank God my parents were happy about that. And then um, moved to New York to do comedy and uh, was just like, yeah, performing and writing my own stuff. Um, I trained a lot at what is now the Brooklyn Comedy Collective, and they really did put an emphasis on like writing weird plays and um, putting them up. And so, as opposed to just like normal stand-up or even characters or anything like that, like they liked a full, a full story, a full narrative. So, I did a couple of those. I did this one really fun, wrote this one really fun show with my like close friend and and collaborator Ian Lockwood called baby Ian falls down a well. That was sort of about the like baby Jessica phenomenon of her falling down a well, but it happens to an adult man. Uh -huh. um, and it took place in a stairwell and that was really fun. And yeah, and then I did a few others and then, but always with other people and sometimes for like a massive, massive cast. Um, and then I decided I wanted to write one for just me, um, sort of coming at the same time that I was like, I really want to make like, my hour like my hour of material and show people what i can do but i'm not really like a traditional stand-up so it wasn't about just like stringing together a bunch of um material it was about like writing a whole new show mm -hmm. using sort of like the muscles and the the on <laughs> the on stage attitude that i've adopted yeah okay cool okay so the the show is is autobiographical seemingly um and you are playing either yourself or a heightened version of yourself on stage but it has some there's some surreal aspects of breaking into song and and stuff like that um when did you 
decide that you wanted to like go that route as opposed to like a more absurdist like falling down a well sort of thing um and, and when were you worried yeah. at all about you know telling a a very personal story on stage and <laughs> um yeah i had definitely i had done absurdist in the past and i i actually think my inclination is towards the more grounded but because i'm I'm in a scene that like the Brooklyn alt scene. So like prizes, what is like avant-garde and like super, super strange. And so I had like stretched myself to do that. But I think my personal inclination is um, to write stories that feel a little closer to home. I have never hooked up with my cousin. Um, and <laughs> the... <laughs> so, so the idea did come from like pure fiction even though it's a it's about a girl who experiences like two close family deaths. And so I and I, I did experience that. But like the I, you know, the idea of girl hooking up with her cousin, that just came from my brain. Um, and then once I was starting to fill it in and realize it took place as like at like these two funerals of two shivas. And of course, the experience that I have with those, you know, it is Jewish, it is personal. I was trying, you know, just as I was, yeah, basically as I was like filling the narrative, it felt the easiest to draw from my own life. Um, and so I did. Um, I like that people get confused. I like that people think all, all of it is real. I would say like 65% of it is real. Other parts are exaggerated. Other parts are totally made up. Okay. My producer told me that I seem nicer and like a like a tamer version of myself in the first half of the show. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you 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 fooled me because um I did think you you hooked up with your cousin. So um it was so I bought into um the the illusion you created on stage. Um okay. <laughs> so major themes of the show are um like sex and love death and judaism um mm -hmm. <laughs> which are eternal eternal themes i guess um okay well so a real life is part of it was both your grandparents passing away like w within the span of a month um yeah they for again for me it was seven weeks and in the show it's three weeks okay um yeah. how do you decide to use that that you know detail and that sad sad series of events like how did that lead to a comedic present uh comedic premise yeah so i was like we went to this funeral for my grandfather and he died and he died expectedly he was sick you know he was in a home and it was kind of nice we saw all these people that we hadn't seen you know my, my grandparents didn't live in new york so we like traveled with all these people we hadn't seen in a long time um it was almost like a nice family reunion and a celebration of his life and that was like really nice and even though it was sad. And then my grandmother died very unexpectedly. She was nine years younger than my grandfather. So we didn't, we thought we had a good more, five more years with her. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then we had to do the whole thing all over again, like same funeral home, same place for the Shiva, same people were invited. My aunt got a text, which I thought was so funny from like a coworker, like her husband's coworker which was, he said, what the fuck is going on with your family? Which is like, <laughs> kind of how it felt. It was like, wait, what the fuck is going on with our family? And my mom would be like, oh my God, I'm an orphan now. Like I wasn't <laughs> two months ago now, yeah. no parents. 
So I think it was, that was sad and shocking. I didn't really, um, and what, what I, you know, after I had sort of like processed my grief, I walked away with this, I holding on to the idea that um, the two consecutive funerals was like the most sort of humorous part, um, just because it was so unexpected. And, and, and because I was like, oh my God, there are so many families that must do this. But I've never heard someone be like, yeah, we had to order the same Shiva order again, you know, and the and the guy at the counter was probably like, really, you need like <laughs> one bagels again, like three weeks later. And so I was thinking about, you know, what would happen at a funeral number one, where someone would have to deal with unexpected consequences at funeral number two. And that's why I thought of a girl like hooking up with a family member who she thought she wasn't going to see again. Um, but I didn't really want to write that much about like so much about like grief because I didn't feel like I had anything new to say about it. You know, mm -hmm. it's sad. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did, um, you know, maybe <laughs> incest, big taboo. Um, how, like, how did you decide to, inter to integrate that uh, into a more, you know, grounded uh, reality? Yeah, well, um, it's funny. Yeah, I think it, it could have taken a bunch of different directions, this premise, you know, girl hooks up with her cousin. And as soon as I started to really think about the show beyond like, the log line or even like this, you know, the act one, act two beats of like, she's at the funeral, she goes home, she goes to the second funeral, she goes, she resolves it. I start to think about like the themes that I wanted to explore in my life or just like emotions that I felt like were prevalent, which were about basically like growing up and long-term love and, um, you know, finding someone that you want to commit to, finding someone that you want to die three weeks after, you know, that kind of stuff. And especially I'm 29 years old and, you know, I have a lot of friends who just turned 30 who are thinking about sort of the same things. Um, and as our whatever, as we're supposed to be like more adults in our lives <laughs> or, <laughs> or something. And so then I was kind of like, oh, I think she has to have a boyfriend. Like, I think she has to have this relationship at home that she can compare to this um, exciting new relationship. And that new relationship happens to be her cousin who's in the IDF, which would never work. But she's sort of um, treating it as these like two equal options for <laughs> am I gonna am I gonna do the, 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 you know, safe, maybe boring thing of staying with my boyfriend? Or am I going to do the crazy impulsive thing like I've been known to do? and try and get my cousin to fall in love with me and move to Israel. Right. Okay. So, so in some ways it's, it's a like classic rom-com setup of yes. a boring guy and a more exciting guy, yes. but, but the more exciting guy, yeah, violates this taboo and, and seems totally <laughs> like, you know, it, it, it could never work out um, in, in any, like, uh, <laughs> in any way, real life. Um, Okay, but we won't reveal what which uh, what what, 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 yeah. what all do we have is. But um, okay, so another theme in the show is sort of like 
you're playing a version of yourself. You're seeing all these older relatives, and they're like, "Well, how's your career going? What's going on with comedy?" And then there's a character you portray as your aunt or your great aunt, who is yeah, my aunt, yeah, who is very obsessed with like sort of cancel culture and, and, and like the male comedians who have been taken down by sexual um, harassment and assault allegations. Um, why did you, um, you know, how did that like that theme enter entered into the okay? Idea? So. That character was actually the one character that I have done outside of the show that I had done prior to writing it. Okay. So I almost the entire thing is new, but that character was something that I've been doing for years, um, which is like, yeah, basically like your aunt who's like, tell me the deal about Louis C.K. Why do we hate him again? And it is, I mean, it worked because I do have cousins who love to talk to me about why I, they like to get me riled up about why I don't like support you know Louis C.K. anymore. <laughs> um, they're also and I love these cousins, but they listen to like Howard Stern and Joe Rogan. You know, we just have different takes, and I do uh-huh. think that that is a lot of people's touch points for like what's going on in comedy right now, um, because it is in like the newspapers that they read. So I thought it also made sense to put there, but yeah, it was just like a bit that I knew I could. If everything else in the show sucked, I would like, I feel like at least people will laugh at this because it's gotten a good response before. Right. And, and you know, I assume that you had, you were talking about Dave Chappelle before he like yes. had his SNL, um, you know, opening act or whatever that, uh, or his monologue rather that I actually didn't watch it because I'm so sick of Chappelle, but I guess he. Yeah. I tried not to watch it because I didn't want to be asked about it in any of these interviews. But... <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I don't want to go into it, but it is, yeah, it's... Um... No, I'll tell you, I did, I wrote it before, because I wrote it when when he was saying, like, you know, really harmful stuff to the trans community, and and, and being written about in, in the same publications, and then I texted my friend Zach, who produces my show, and I was like, oh my god, he's, he said some, like, people are, I didn't even watch it at that point, I was like, people are saying he's, he said some anti-Semitic stuff, but in my, in the bit, she thinks that he's Jewish. Uh, and then he was like, no, it's, it'll be fine. It's a gift. And so then I just sort of like added a couple like knowing things there and okay. it ended up being, it was great. Cause I was like, yeah, it, it stays relevant. Um, but <laughs> well, yeah, I do you think that. about like, so uh, violating a taboo is part of the show, hook up with your cousin. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, comedians go tiptoe up to taboos or talk up or violate taboos in various ways and then maybe there's a backlash uh, to some of them i mean Ch- Chappelle has gotten a backlash but you know he he got to host snl um after he stirred up controversy um yeah. making fun of trans people or i i like i said i have i've stopped paying attention to him because i was just like <laughs> over it but um yeah. but yeah how do you which is powerful which is like probably what we're supposed to do be like you know what this is not worth the trouble i'm not gonna watch yeah you know? well how, how do you think about taboo like crossing taboos in comedy and yeah there has been a cultural change over the past five or ten years where if you watch a stand-up special from you know 15 years ago you might be like oh how do like how did how did they get away with this and no one no one objected at the yeah. time yeah i mean i watched i watched like my favorite shows you know scrubs or that 70 show and they're making yeah hor- horrible jokes about like everyone um that would no longer stand today but i think so Anthony Jeselnik, who is this comic who I love, it's funny because we have, very, I think, very different styles, but he says this thing where he's like, um, 
you know, asking comedians to, or comedians asking to like perform without the sort of uh, woke expectations of like a new crowd is like footballers asking, football players asking to play football without the ball. Like it's an inherent part of like how we do our job is how to tiptoe up to that edge, but not cross it, how to joke about something not make people cringe or like feel mad or uncomfortable and so we wouldn't be able to do it if there weren't these sort of agreed upon you know um norms i guess for what it's about to say and they do shift and so then we're supposed to shift and and i think like that is should be a fun challenge for anyone who is a good comic now you can like find a different audience but if you want to be like Dave Chappelle and you want to be lauded by, you know, the sort of critics that we're talking about and doing the kind of sets on shows that we're talking about, then like, yeah, you adjust. And he's good enough that I don't think he has to talk about stuff that runs the risk of not being funny and just being harmful. I feel lucky because I went to Oberlin. So I'm like, <laughs> I, ha I have already been on an improv group where we had to be really careful about making jokes about like, having sex with animals because it like offended someone one time. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I feel very trained in that and actually feel a bit freer outside of what was normal for Oberlin audiences to hear as opposed to like a New York audience. But mm -hmm. you know, if it changes and it will, if someone says your incest show is actually really harmful to victims of incest, hopefully that won't happen until we're done running the show. But like, you know, I have to take it into consideration. <laughs> okay. And, and, you know, it's weird how so many of these, you know, woke versus anti-woke and like the crude term, like debates end up centering around stand-up comedy. Um, that yeah. is somewhat strange. And maybe as part of it has to do with like, uh, like a stand-up comedian can't be fired exactly. Cause they're sort of like an independent agent and they can always just find yeah. a different audience or different like venue to play so like you can't complain to the manager of comedy like in the way that like kevin spacey has been iced out of hollywood um because there's only so many movie studios but like there will always be always be like any backlash like generates its own uh audience yeah. or something um but you know what if but okay let's say that the you know there could be you could imagine the victims of incest association protesting your show you could imagine the cousin lovers of america or of israel um yeah. you know protesting well, I, your show. A, I had someone call me an anti-zionist bitch when i did a, a part of the show okay um, all because i just mentioned what if not now was okay yeah <laughs> so in the show that your yeah. character's boyfriend uh, works or has worked for uh, if not now this jewish like leftist peace organization it's sort of like i don't know where i'm going with this but whenever there's some sort of like backlash i don't know it, it, it a lot of comedians seem to be like they figured out that if they say something offensive they're gonna piss some people off and some people are gonna be turned off but then it's gonna create a media backlash and then they get attention and then they could like ride that in a different direction like yeah and that seems to be like if Chappelle is canny that seems to be what he's I mean, I mean, he's obviously very smart um, and funny, but that seems to be what he's sort of doing is right. provoking the right. the libs and and then yeah. people get mad and more people are talking about Dave Chappelle, whereas like eight or so years ago, like, I mean, he left his show and then he didn't really do anything for a long time. So he was out of the conversation for a long time. And now he's like, you know, if, if I 
piss people off in various ways, then my career is is revived. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, is, I don't even know if that's a question, but what, what do you think about that? What do I think about that? Well, it's definitely not my strategy. First of all, <laughs> I play for the audience. Like that is currently like that is just my sense of humor or a leftist audience even like it's just it's my politics like it's um so i don't think i'm trying to piss those people off um and i like i like to shock a little bit like you know i like to be provocative but i don't i don't know i think Chappelle's also able to get away with it because people know that he was so good so then you have a lot of supporters being like how can you go after Chappelle? like look at all this great stuff he did. Like, look at how good he continues to be. I don't have that kind of um, catalog yet. So <laughs> right. maybe when I'm 50 and the kids are coming after me, I'm going to be like, fuck you guys. My supporters will stay with me forever. But like, I'm just not at that point in my career. So I can't do that. And then in terms of what Chappelle is doing, I mean, I don't know. It's like, I think it I was okay I did watch the monologue I watched it with my mother actually and we were both kind of prepared to be like people are overreacting because I think Jews always like to be like people are overreacting about it. well the kind of Jews that I surround myself with like, <laughs> like people are anti-semitism uh-huh. unless there's a swastika on my front door it's not anti-semitism it's kind of like <laughs> some of the <laughs> pervasive which you know whatever I mean I don't I will say I do not feel like physically threatened as a Jew in New York City so my mom and I were watching it together. We thought a lot of it was funny. We thought some of it, yes, up against the envelope, but so kind of funny. And then there was like one part where he was like, but Jewish people, it's not black people's fault. Like anti-Semitism is a black people's fault. And me and my mom were like, who's saying that? We were like, we're not saying that. I don't mm-hmm. think Jewish people are saying that. And also pit us against each other when our oppression is wrapped up in each other oppression it's like we're all victims of you know white supremacy and the patriarchy and it's like that just seems like why do you have to say that but there are parts of it that i thought was fine so that's how i feel about Chappelle. okay <laughs> parts of it are fine <laughs> <laughs> um okay and what so but i could also see some people getting mad that like there's a character in the show um an israeli idf soldier who is well, he also violates this <laughs> taboo against incest. Um, you know, the main character gets a huge crush on him, and you, I can imagine someone saying, uh, "This is uh, Zionist propaganda that you're that a uh, soldier for the IDF is presented as, you know, a, <laughs> an object of uh, eroticism or something like like." Okay, when but so why did you decide if since this was not a real incident? Why did you decide that the cousin was Israeli and a soldier and? bringing Zionism a obviously touchy subject for a lot of people into the show yes so hot Israeli cousin felt like it lived in the world of this show and I was like I'm gonna get you a funny accent that I can do you know that no one's gonna yell at me for doing (laughs) Uh so (laughs) and then the IDF stuff I think again from a most of it is honestly from a humor perspective. Like I was like, it's funny that she's so turned on by all the wrong parts of like what it's what it's like to be a soldier. Like she really romanticizes basically how traumatized he is and, you know, how like <laughs> how much PTSD he probably has. Um, and, and I actually had, I had just 
I'm trying to remember if I've said this in other interviews or not, but if it's been published, but I like went to Nashville when I was sort of like thinking about writing the show and I, and I uh, met someone who had served in Afghanistan and he, and I was like, really like, I wanted, I asked him if he had killed people and my friend was like, you're not supposed to ask that, Zoe. But I was like, really like, yeah, it was just like, um, he was such a mystery to me because I never met anyone like that too. Like growing mm -hmm. up in New York, I did not have friends who then went off to serve. So I just thought it would be kind of funny. And I do think that I put enough in the show that makes it clear, even though my character is kind of an idiot about the whole thing, it makes it clear that like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like I'm not totally on board with Israel, mm -hmm. um, my occupation. But I did get in trouble for that after a show one time. And that kind of shook me because um, I didn't even say, I was like, I, I'm really trying to total, I'm really trying to tell the line. Like I'm not trying to say anything substantial about the occupation, although calling it the occupation, you know, some people disagree with that. <laughs> right. No, it's, um, there's people who are ready to get mad at you, whatever um, stance you have on, on Israel-Palestine. I was like, I'm Jewish. I go to synagogue. Like, I'm, <laughs> we are the same. Like, that's my Jews. I do not hate the Jews. <laughs> um, okay, so part, so it's a one-woman show, although there's some audience interaction, and you are on stage the whole time. And there's, without giving maybe too much away, there's a part of the show where, like, you do a costume change, and, mm -hmm. like, you're exposed on stage in a way that like someone surprised me like oh she's really going for it here like how did you think yeah. about that and um yeah i mean you know i don't I want to be like oh it was so brave but like i was like you know <laughs> you, you, we're in a, this like sort of small theater and you're the only one on stage and um yeah yeah how, how did you think about like doing that you know brave that's what they say <laughs> so, you know women who who they think are ugly they're like i was so brave that you showed that no, right I'm so I'm definitely, um, not, I'm, no. not, I'm definitely not saying that <laughs> i'm kidding um you know when i was thinking of the show it like comes to me in bits and pieces themes certain titles of songs it'll just like come to me and one of the things that came to me where i was like i want to be pretty naked on stage <laughs> it was just like i thought it would be really funny to be dressed super slutty at a funeral and in like the movie version of this, she's just wearing like a really short dress. But because this was more of like a, I had, I, it could be like her fantasy. So she could be wearing this like really revealing thing. And I was like, yeah, I want to do it. I'm in my twenties. I'm not going to want to show my body off this much for that much longer. Um, people ask me how I do it in front of my parents and my parents have been coming to my shows for years and years and years and years. And I just don't even think about it anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I'm on stage, I'm lost in the craft. But uh, yeah, it doesn't, it's actually, okay, I'll tell you this. I was at a nude dinner party last night that I found okay. about, uh, that it, yeah, I found about out about it through Instagram. Um, and I went and it was just like a community of naked people eating dinner and talking about our relationship with nudity. And as I was vocalizing it, I realized if you couldn't already tell by me signing up to do, like partake in a new dinner party with strangers, I was like, I'm very comfortable with nudity. It like, I think it's shocking to other people, which I love, but I myself don't feel, yeah 
really I, I like almost don't give it a second thought. So yeah. <laughs> so I first found you on Twitter and maybe it's because there there were some you're part of a comedy group and I'd seen some of your skits. I don't remember exactly how I started following you. But so you, you do <laughs> you sketch and you also are an actor. How do you like like how does like a modern I don't know, like how how are you envisioning your career? Like there's people who are like doing everything, there's people who are like only doing stand up, like do you have what do you what do you think like would you want to be on SNL or do something like that or do you want to mm. primarily act? Do you want to keep doing live comedy in New York? What I want the people that I look at as um examples of what I want to do uh Rachel Bloom is a big one, which is funny because I also think we have sort of like a similar um comedic sensibility. So she's but, cr- um, a crazy ex-girlfriend, the star and creator of that. Yes. Yes. She created it, stars in it, stars in other shows, creates other shows, continues to perform live. She does it all. And she's like really everyone knows, you know, what her voice is and trusts her to do all sides of the process. Like we trust her project from Rachel Bloom and we trust her in this role. And she got, I believe that, you know, she got um, famous because she was starring in her own show. So she got famous by like being very visible as a face. And that's like what I want to do too. Phoebe Waller-Bridge is sort of close to that too. Like I think could do either. Started out with a live show that she, you know, took to the fringe, which is what Sophie's Ex-Face will do. Um, doesn't perform live. Uh, the star of, um, uh, God, the name just went out of my head. Fleabag. Fleabag, yes. And other and like other shows crashing and stuff um, that preceded it, but Fleabag was like the big breakthrough at least in the U.S. And so she's another one. Abby Jacobson is kind of like that, you know. Um, does both. Bo Burnham is like that. Does both and and makes musical hours. So I really I want to do it all. I'm, I'm <laughs> focused. I really want to do it all. I'm very focused on acting and and getting you know that facial recognition right now. But yeah, it's hard. I don't, it's hard to, I don't like to put myself in a box, which is increasingly hard in an industry that like really wants every, everyone to have like a very specific brand and a very specific thing. Right. No, that, that makes sense. Um, and okay. So the show, the show is, is it going to the Fringe Festival in Edinburgh? In Edinburgh? Yeah. I mean, that's what we're, we are like in that process right now, but okay. yeah, that's where yeah. Okay, cool. That's, that's great. Um, do you see this like would you you know would you want to take the flea bag route of, of turning like could you, you could see this turning into a screen experience yeah. in some way yeah yeah i think i think movie is probably the route just because it really hinges around this like one dramatic um event uh but yeah and i have you know I'm already working on it. I have my outline. I'm doing my meetings and whatever. But yeah, that, I think that would be really fun. Um, I think a movie musical would be so fun because um, it's a musical. And I'm like, when have we had an original one of those recently? Feels like not in a while. That's a good They're point. I mean, yeah, I mean, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend had had these musical theater elements um, in each yeah. episode. Uh, but yeah, a movie, I don't know, what was uh, that stupid movie? Uh, that took place in Los Angeles with Ryan Gosling. Um, oh, La La Land. Yeah, La La Land. Was, <laughs> yeah. was that maybe the last original? Like Probably, probably. Yeah, I'm trying to make La La Land. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, La La Land, yeah. but Jewish for the new generation. Um, as someone who like is a fan of comedy and consuming comedy, like 
what are things that you you mentioned some of your career role models but like what are you some of the things that you're like checking out these days in the world of comedy, that, comedy. that you've enjoyed um so funny because every whenever anyone asks me what tv shows i watch i'm like it's just real housewives and i will <laughs> say there's nothing funnier than the old seasons of real housewives of new york but in terms of like the comedy that is really exciting to me right now uh, obviously, I love every single person in Ladies Who Ranch, what they're doing in New York. Um, it's Caroline Yost, Maya Sharma, Caitlin Blake, Kelly Cooper. You'll have to see them live because most of that stuff is not online. But it's like always just like boundary pushing meta comedy um, that just like makes me crack up. Um, I really like Simple Town, that group that... Um, my peers they make like really funny sketches weird sketches mm-hmm. <laughs> how i would describe them online um i love this tiktoker jake krantz who I, um, I know nothing about tiktok okay i watch a lot of tiktok i lurk so nobody try and find me <laughs> but I, i'm just lurking on tiktok but jake krantz does I'm, i was trying to describe it to my boyfriend the other day and i did a horrible job so i'm sure i'll do a horrible job again but he just like takes these sort of little interactions like um a waiter saying to you like have a nice lunch and you saying oh you too and then like taking that interaction to like it's you know ultimate conclusion where like you're eating then you're following the waiter like having his lunch and following him home and being like i had a he and telling his wife i had a real nice lunch or stuff like that he just does these really funny things and he always sets it to like some like mid-2000s like club banger i don't know what it is it feels very fresh and i love his stuff um i think i think the stuff that i watch is pretty different from the stuff that i make because i don't when i watch something that's similar i'm like oh it's it's not relaxing so then i like <laughs> you know okay that makes sense like the the cobbler doesn't want to look at shoes when exactly when exactly. after when he gets home do you do you um i i assume you at least know but uh, know of uh Catherine cohen and pat regan and their podcasting treatment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just you remind me a little bit of Catherine Cohen and just like the singing <laughs> comedy, but also singing and performing. And um, the main thing that they talk about on their show is like Real Housewives stuff because yeah, Pat, right, uh, Pat, I know. Pat is obsessed with with Real Housewives. That's how I learned I know. most of what's happening in Real Housewives world is listening to Seek Treatment. Um, yeah, no, I I love Kat. Um, she is a friend of mine. We I feel like I like came onto the scene and was like watching her perform you know like she was in that group of people that I was like idolizing when I like first moved to New York and I think she's so funny and I definitely take some inspiration from that I don't know Pat as well but he's so funny too and it is like there is this thing with people I think who work in TV around TV whatever it is is like especially if we work in scripted TV which like I do um we can all we watch is reality because <laughs> you don't want to be watching a show where you're like, oh, I auditioned for that or I interviewed to write for that or like, oh my God, that's my favorite actor. Like, I just want to be exactly like her. And so we watch a, a lot of Real Housewives, a lot of Love Island. Um, every Basically, yeah, I'm still on The Bachelor. I don't know. I'm like the last person in the world to be watching it, but it's you, me. Um, but yeah, that's. I think that's. you'll find that's pretty, pretty common. Um, I don't know. Okay, let's see. I don't know if I have any other questions, but do you want to? Okay, so like, if people want to see the show or learn more about the show, how can they do so? 
you have to follow me on Instagram, unfortunately, um, <laughs> or Twitter. I'm Sophie Ducker. You'll find me. Um, and it will be in LA on February 1st at Dynasty Typewriter. That's the next performance. We haven't started publicizing that because I we just finished this run, but we will soon. And then it'll be back in New York um, at various places also in like February, March, April. Um, yeah, we're going to do it a million times, but you have to follow me. And I post other stuff too, so. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I follow you on Twitter. I, do, I, I failed to follow you on Instagram, but I, I will do so. Uh, and you're entertaining <laughs> on Twitter and the show, the show was great. Sophie sucks face. Um, anything else you want to mention or promote or say before, uh, before we wrap up? No, I think we did it. Okay. And say you say you're the handle one more time and, and it will also be linked in like the show notes. Um, Okay, great. So on Twitter, I'm Sophie R. Zucker. And on Instagram, I'm String Cheese Zucker. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but if you if you type in Sophie, I'll also pop up. And a friend who works with influencers told me that I have to change it, but I don't feel like doing that just yet. So it's String Cheese for now. Okay. Yeah. You, like you need a, a unified brand if you... She was like, people need to know it's you. Like, you need to have your name. I was like, they'll know it's me. They'll know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I'm on Twitter. It's Twitter still, it still exists as of this taping. Um, and comedy is, is legal on, on Twitter now, which is sort of exciting. Uh, I know. For all, of right. us, all of us fans of comedy. Um, so I'm on there, R-E-A-C-W, uh, for now. And Sophie, thank you for coming on. And Yeah, thanks. thank you for having me. And congratulations on the success of the show. And I... I hope it becomes a movie someday so I can go see it and say, oh, I saw that. <laughs> I saw I, I saw that in a small theater in New York City. Um, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and thanks to all the listeners out there who can, you know, you can rate, you can review, you can tell a friend um, or do whatever you want. And uh, we'll see you again next time. <laughs>